Proud was low. Where do we go? Proud, proud was low. Hey, popo, look at Proud was low. Where do we go? Knees, knees getting weak and my gun might blow. But Proud was low. Where do we go? Proud, proud was low. Hey, popo, look at Proud was low. Where do we go? Knees, knees getting weak and my gun might blow. But Proud was low. Where do we go? Proud, proud was low. Hey, popo, look at Proud was low. Where do we go? Knees, knees getting weak and my gun might blow. But Proud was low. Where do we go? Proud, proud was low. Hey, popo, look at Proud was low. to Kenlock, the first incorporated city in St. Louis, Missouri? What happened to Tulsa, Oklahoma? What happened to Seneca Village in New York? What happened to Atlantic City? What happened to Black Indianapolis? What happened to the majority of the thriving Black cities that we had in America? They're like ghost towns. No one knows. But I had the opportunity to interview I call her a hometown hero. Alana was in her bag. She's in her bag. And she had the courage to make a documentary about Kenlock. First time I heard about Kenlock was from an elder. But I never thought somebody would make a documentary about it. Something that I can share with my children and future generation. I really enjoyed this episode. We talked about you know, the purpose, finding your purpose, sticking to your purpose. And if things come up, you can rest, but you never quit. This documentary she's been working on for three years. Currently, it's a Kickstarter campaign for $20,000. She surpassed that, and now she's reached $25,000. This further validates why the city, the country, and the world needs to see this film in this documentary. We also talked about, you know, personal struggles and injustice. This film is about justice. This interview is just about sisterhood, about love, about family, about community, about ancestors. And I really hope that y'all enjoy it. And most importantly, y'all get inspired. Inspired to support black women. I'm out. This is Aza and Zoe. Peace.
So before we get into the thick of things, I want to let our audience know a little bit about your background, um, because it's not every blue moon that we come across somebody from the crib putting on for the crib. So I just got to let our audience know, uh, Alana Marie is a storyteller, a digital content creator right here from St. Louis. Uh, she recently completed the production of her first first feature film titled The Kenlock Doc. The full-length version of this documentary uh, was screened in 2018 and 2019 in a St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase and the St. Louis International Film Festival and the Benton Park Film Festival. Um, so, Alana, mm-hmm. could you tell us what, how did you, this is a calling to me, like, how did you get started on this path to create a documentary? And I, when I was doing my research, you've been doing this for three years, right? Yeah, I was, I started when um, I was still a grad student um, at WashU. So I went back to school um, to get my master's in social work and my emphasis was in social and economic development. So I'm, I'm in there, I'm learning about um, policies and systems that impact communities of color, specifically black communities. And we had a whole segment about St. Louis neighborhoods and just how it's been the same shit, different day for decades at a time. Um, and then we took a, a class uh, about systemic racism and we spent the week in East St. Louis. And on the first day uh, of the class, we had a bus tour through all historic black communities. Um, we started in East St. Louis and then we crossed the river, came back over to St. Louis. And so we, of course we went through Kenlock. We went through where Beecham Park used to be, which was in Kirkwood. We went through mm-hmm. Westland Acre, which, which was in Chesterfield. We went through the Ville. We went through all of these places, most of which I had never seen or heard of um, prior to that point. But when we went through Kenlock, I'm like, you know, my, my people from here, um, I don't know much about it other than what they've shared, but the bulk of the people on that side of the family are all deceased at this point. So it's just my dad. And so I'm like, I've heard a lot about it, but I'm pretty sure it didn't look like this, you know, when they were coming up. I wonder, you know, I want to learn more about it. And so me, you know, being in academia, I'm trying to do research. I'm trying to find film on it. Um, and nobody had ever done you know, a film on the city. People have done like little snippets of videos and posted on, you know, YouTube or whatever, but nobody had like a full out production on the city. Um, right. And when I'm the type of person, if you you put a, an idea in my head, I'm I'm a play it out full execution. And so I posed the question on social media. Well, you know, how come nobody's done, you know, a documentary on Kenlock? And then I had a friend that commented and she was like, well, why don't you make it? I was like, okay. And yeah. <laughs> from then on, like I just I went full full steam ahead, like no previous film experience. I just know I like watching documentaries and I like writing and I, you know, to a certain extent I like research. So I figured some gonna come out of it. I didn't think it would be, you know, where it is today, but I, I agree with what you said. It has definitely been a calling uh over my life these past three years. Yeah. Um. So I didn't. I didn't know that. So your background and your trade is in social work. Correct. Okay. And so this is this is deeper than film. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then then you said your family grew up. Um, mm-hmm. your- Correct. 
and uh canlock right so this is more this is kind of like a, to me i feel like this is a justice that you're trying to bring to the community in canlock and to your family tree your family lineage as well mm-hmm. so can you talk about um what this means to you and your bloodline and your family uh it's very personal um i always joke at first it wasn't a joke because i'm dead ass serious i was like why would i make my first film about something that clearly is is this you know personal to me i take i take deep offense to when i see you know comments about the city it was a couple of times where real stl news did a segment they did two different segments about the city and it wasn't on real stl news one of the the reporters from real stl news her her family's from kenlock as well so she feels the same way that i feel but when you go on the comments and you see people like you know they did this to their own city they yeah. should clean it up and I'm like I, my fingers are ready and I'm like Alana you what is your role in this right now like you are <laughs> the filmmaker like chill out put all that energy back into the film but I'll be straight getting pissed off like you know straight it up. don't even make no sense for people to walk into their front yard and you know toss trash into their front yard but it's just it's extremely personal um I had a lot of family loss um throughout the duration of my graduate school program both of my grandparents are deceased. Um, I lost two aunts and an uncle. My dad is the last surviving sibling of the children that were born from my grandparents, and he's the youngest. Um, so for me, it was honoring their legacy. It was capturing my dad's story while he's still alive. Um, and for him and I to get closer, uh, my grandfather actually migrated up to Kenlock or to St. Louis from Covington, Tennessee. So my grandpa... Uh, he was a part of the the great migration as far as he had a thing for white women and his life was threatened to get out of the city if he didn't leave so that's how he wound up here um but when I was doing my research and I was meeting people and I was telling people my last name they're like you know I remember your uncle Crump you know I I hung out with your uncle Russell (laughs) I remember your grandma she was so sweet and so for me it was very uh therapeutic because it was allowing me the space to grieve um my loved ones when I I didn't have the time to do it while it was happening because I was like I need to finish school like I can't I can't afford to sit here and grieve I can't afford to sit here and be sad um and it was allowing me to grieve in a way that I didn't know that I needed um and just learn more about that community of of black people that community has been done wrong for so many decades and I want to be one of the reasons why people can search the term Kenlock and they see some positive commentary about the city. Dang. So did you, have, <laughs> did you want to add anything before I move to the next question? Um, well, me personally, I grew up, I'm from Kenlock, honestly. Um, I didn't, I left when I was going to the second grade. Mm-hmm. So I like remember a lot of stuff about it. So when you talk about like when people don't know much about it, but people heard heard about it and then they like, you know, make comments and stuff like that. So I feel where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it was a big community. Like I remember everybody being coming outside every day and just hanging around. Like everybody was family. And, like, still to this day, the people that I grew up with there, like, they are real close to me. Like, I still have the best relationships with those type of people that I grew up with there. 
And like basically my family is from there. We they came from Alabama and they came up here. Mm -hmm. So everybody lived in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. Like that was I remember my granny and them going to like the cotton clubs mm -hmm. and all that. Wow. And so my my family last name is Hutton. Okay. And so everybody knew them. Mm -hmm. And my dad, his last name was May, and everybody knew them. So we just was like everybody knew us there. So we grew up, but I had left like I was like seven. But I went to school. I went to kindergarten all the way up to first grade. I remember going to school every day. And it was just fun. It was fun. Like all my good memories are from there. I remember I, I got hit with a paintball <laughs> gun. And everybody thought it was like a real gun. It was so crazy. Like everybody treated me so well. And everybody still to this day, like, you remember when you got hit with the paintball gun? It's just it's so many memories there. But I love it. Um we my auntie had moved back there probably she moved back there, I think we were, like, in high school. So, I think she moved back there between, like, 06 mm -hmm. to, like, 08. And they was trying to rebuild yeah. it. And my cousin was there. and they, But they was going to Berkeley at the time. And um, we just was, we, you know, act the same when we was back there. So, we was still in high school. It was still people there, everything, mm -hmm. but... Yeah. I just remember a lot there so it is home for me so I'm like I resonate with it a lot and so when I looked at the the like the videos and clips and stuff like that I was like yeah I remember all it like it's vivid mm -hmm. it's strong so mm -hmm. I think the um the the word I mean the Kenlock the city in itself it was a I mean if we can kind of like because I feel like a part of your mission Alana is to educate uh, the masses about like the true legacy of a thrive. Means like kin folks, like this, mm -hmm. this city was a city of people who were related to each other and they was very intentional with what they wanted to do with their resources. Mm -hmm. um, so can you talk about kind of like the legacy of Kenlock? Mm -hmm. So as many people know back then you know during our grandparents and, and great-grandparents era there were that we black people couldn't live um in several places we were relegated to certain parts of the city we were relegated to certain parts of the country so when people would migrate you know from the south up here to you know midwestern cities whether it be chicago detroit it always baffled me how people got to kenlock you know in junction with the actual city of st louis but kenlock was one of those places that we came to and even in my research is like there's like three different stories about how blacks actually started settling into the city but mm -hmm. although Kenlock wasn't incorporated until 1948 they were there a good 40 50 years before they were official on the books like Kenlock was hella big Kenlock was Berkeley um Kenlock was before a highway, you know, 170 was even put in. Like all of that was Kenlock. Like it was Kenlock Airfield before it was Lambert mm. Airport. Um, so it was super, super big. And um blacks, I think one of the stories is there was a Miss B who was had a relationship with um one of the white homeowners, and then he ended up giving her uh his house. And then of course what happens is, you know, one black face comes 
white faces leave and then that's confirmation for my, for more black families to come in and so black families started migrating over and having homes in the city of Ken, well in Kenlock before it was incorporated and um what led to its incorporation was the white residents of Kenlock were upset of the educational political power that black residents were starting to get the first black superintendent in the state of Missouri was in the city of Kenlock and they wanted their kids. Um, they wanted to get a high school for their kids to go to. And, you know, the white parents were basically, I don't want my kids going to school with y'all kids. I don't want, you know, black leadership on the school board. And so white residents ended up creating the city of Berkeley. And that's how Berkeley came about. And so when they went to Berkeley, the first thing they did was create the Berkeley School District. Um, Mm. And then it ended up stripping away the resources from the city of Kenlock. So even from Kenlock's very beginning, as far as being on the books, they've always been strapped for cash um, in some capacity. They've always been fighting to have, you know, since its inception, but they've always managed to do well with the little that they've had um Mm -hmm. and so that's how that uh came about yeah because when i um when i had me and my sons watched the trailer and then at the end you kind of compared it well you did compare it to seneca village uh black wall street you compared it to all of these tulsa oklahoma all these just thriving black communities and that gave me like that sent chills on my spine because I'm like you were at a project Spiriago and what happened but you here you got Kenlock mm-hmm. um, that was thriving and I mean I was I, w- I was just taken away with your scholarship so mm-hmm. I just want to commend you on your scholarship thank you um, as well mm-hmm. it can be very upsetting it's like it's interesting work but then you, the more research you do, you's like, I keep, it's like, it's literally the same shit. It's like, no matter where you go, it, no matter what you do, it's like, okay, you tell us there's only parts of the city or the state that we can live. All right, cool. You're not going to give us yeah. no funding. Cool. So as soon as you see us, you know, laughing and having little picnics and getting our degrees or what have you, then it's like, no we about to build a highway over here or no we're about to build right. an airport over here it's like it's it's very strategic with every I, t- I say this all the time every rich well-funded affluent part of st louis your ladoos your frontenacs your claytons your kirkwoods your chesterfields black people live there and they had communities there and they thrived there and they were pushed out. And then every mm. dilapidated part of St. Louis, your Wellstons, your Kenlocks, your North St. Louis, we've also lived there and we've thrived there. And we were also depleted of our resources. We've touched every corner and crevice of this state, every corner mm. and crevice of this state. And, but we just never been supported enough to sustain and then when you go down you know to north st louis and you drive down page and you see these homes with these boarded up and you go to kenlock and you see trash in the yard and you have the nerve to blame you know the residents or black people for the conditions that these communities are in like that's ass backwards to me right right so i just um just real quick while we talking on this and then i'm gonna kind of move forward Mm -hmm. just to kind of like paint a picture in people's minds we're talking about schools uh we're talking about churches business owners 
I mean, could you just tell us figuratively how successful and booming Canlock was before the airport was supposed to expand? So entrepreneurship or black entrepreneurship within Kenlock, like that was the norm. Um, the story goes, you know, from people from there, and there's, you know, Kenlock had everything but a bank. They had, of course, the mom and pop shops. They had the confectionery shops. They had the libraries. They had the YMCA's. They had the postal office. They had taxi cabs, news like funeral homes, all, a thousand churches on every corner. They literally had everything that they need. So when you, you know, imagine you know, watching a movie that took place in the 50s and the 60s and just the the scene setup of, you know, teenagers coming out of somebody's house and they walk down the street and they know the owner of the shop and they give them some free candy and ask them how they, like, it was a community feel to where they literally had everything that they needed and they were able to sustain themselves. Literally every single thing but a bank. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So my next question um, for you is I just want to kind of like kind of like dig into like who you are because Mm -hmm. um, you got a fire, um, Mm -hmm. a fire that I don't see a lot of people with. Um, So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Um, Because like I said, I was impressed with your scholarship. Mm -hmm. So I actually grew up in Hazelwood. Um, I grew up on the cusp of Ferguson and Berkeley. So technically, I could have walked to McClure High School from where I stayed. But how the lines were drew up, I was bussed out to Hazelwood West. Um, okay. So I was born in Hazelwood and grew up in Hazelwood. And my dad, of course, is from Kenlon. But my mom is from Prudago. So I have that that history as well. Um, I'm an only girl. I have an older brother and a younger brother. And so went to Hazelwood West, graduated, and then I went to Mizzou. Um, and I got pregnant my freshman year of college and um, came back home for 15 months and still continued my studies and kept up with all of my credits and then when my daughter was 15 months I went back to Mizzou to finish up my degree and I graduated with the same class that I came in with um I graduated wow. yeah that was a whole nother it's, it's damn. amazing <laughs> damn it was like I don't play I don't I don't play about like mm-mm, mm-mm. I was like that's I gotta- why I asked you hold on wait because I'm like I, my, I have a similar story that's why I wrote a book but I'm like um that fire like Mm -hmm. so are your parents in academia or i'm first gen i'm a first gen college student wow Mm -hmm. okay first gen um my pops worked for general motors until he retired two years ago and then my mom worked at AT at&t until she was laid off in 2013 but i was a, a first gen college student i just I was like, no, I have a, a baby. Don't stop no show. So mm. like, we just do what we need to do. But I, I studied uh, communications and public relations when I was an undergrad. But I also had a passion for service. So I was a mentor for other teen moms when I was in school. But and I was also doing research on um, child support policies and doing single father advocacy work which was complete opposite of my situation as a single mom but I just had a knack for wanting to support 
single fathers that had or were fighting to get custody of their children. And yeah. so that's where my service work actually began. Um, when I ended up going to graduate school, I worked for the Father Support Center as well as a case manager and a paralegal. Um, simultaneously doing work in college access. And so the longest job that I've had has been in college access. So I helped underrepresented first gen students who would be the first in their families to go to college. I was their advisor and college counselor literally up until January of this year. Okay. So do you, so I'm trying to get to the root of this. Mm-hmm. So did you have a fire mentor? I've had a couple people along the way that. Cause you, cause you blazing like, yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. I just, it, it's something about when I'm, I'm hit with some type of adversity and I just, I get, I get triggered. I get triggered. Um, but I've had, I wouldn't even necessarily call them mentors. I've, I've had several angels just along the way. Like you will never hear me say that I'm self-made. Um, mm. Somebody advocating for me or working on throughout the duration of, you know, my career or my academic journey, my, you know, my personal journey. Uh, somebody has always had their hand out to help pull me up. Um, and I made a, a mission to do just that. So with me, you know, going to social work and wanting to study film, I've always had a passion for for history and service. It was just that film piece that people always put a question mark about, like, how you got an MSW, but you over here trying to be Ava DuVernay? Um, right. <laughs> I'm like, this is me practicing my social work. The whole premise behind social work is you helping to mitigate the social ills of the world. If me creating a film about Black history or about the plight of Black cities educates you and what triggers you to want to do something about the city of Kenlock, then I did my job. I did my job. So that's, that's me practicing my social. It, it was, if it was not for me going to school for social work, I would not have this project right now. Right. It mm-hmm. all go hand in hand. Man. I feel you. <laughs> I, no, I feel you because, like, you know, when I watch a documentary, um, to me, it's a visual essay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because I wanted to ask you also, like, what made you choose the medium of film, of, a, you know, storytelling, why you didn't drop a book or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, do a photography, do pictures. Um. So that's that's kind of what I want to I want to dig deep in, and I kind of piggybacking. I love when you said that you had angels, mm-hmm. and that kind of confirmed that you're on your path. Like you you have a purpose, and you know what your purpose is, and mm-hmm. you trust those people. I do. Um, that's a good question as far as the medium, because what's what's funny is I I have a writer's background. Like I was blogging. In undergrad, I've written for publications. I've written for Excel Nicole. I've written for Blavity. I've written for The Root. Um, so I come from a writer's background. I, I don't even know. Like I didn't even think to do the study on Kenlock in any other medium but film. Like mm-hmm. it, did, it didn't cross my mm-hmm. mind when I first started the journey. But I still write and I do photography as well. But it was something about the journey of this story in the depth of this story, I did, I just felt it would resonate the most with people staring at a screen and, and getting told the story through a visual lens. Um, but I do all three. 
Yeah, I know you do all three. That's why I was like, mm-hmm. uh, but I I want to say this too though. All ain't that those are all incorporated in the film too. Agreed. Though, right. Correct. Correct. Right. So I think that's kind of genius. Um, I want to talk about the art direction of the film. When I seen, you know, I love hip hop. I don't know if you know if I love hip hop, but mm-hmm. I love hip hop. And so when I seen the uh the cover, you know, the cover art. I was like, this this is reminiscent of a Kendrick Lamar uh, album cover to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bold. It's it's just it's fire. It, it <laughs> seemed like it's just a dope ass film, and it's gonna have a dope ass soundtrack. Like the soundtrack gonna be <laughs> like fire. Mm-hmm. So what made you choose that art direction? Because it's black and white, and then you got people kind of like you know gathered around. It looked like something like hip-hop like mm-hmm. early hip-hop so that um is actually a family photo um it was i said my aunt and uncle are in the front row i don't know who everybody else is it, it was a photo that i found in my grandma's <laughs> tub so when my, my grandmother passed away in 2014 and okay. i kept two of her photography tubs and she was one of those grandmas like she took pictures of everything it's it's so many photos in there and I'm like I don't even know like you taking pictures of the, of the curve like I don't even know what you're taking pictures of but I'm doing my research and I'm trying to find visuals to put into the film and then I saw that one because one of the major things about the Ken Live doc is community mm-hmm. so when you see everybody outside mm-hmm. of this apartment you know complex and it's hella people in the in the actual blown up photo um, but I, I wanted that. I wanted it to speak to, you know, what everybody described as the community that they grew up in. Like everybody was a family. Like we're not related, but you know, your mama has permission to whoop me if I, you know, do something wrong. So that's what it spoke to, right? right. So my husband, who has a background right. in graphic design, I was like, I want this as a cover photo. Like, can you do something with it? And then he turned it out like how he did. And I'm like, this hella reminds me of Kendrick Lamar. And he was like, I know. And I was like, but it's still mine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what he came up with. And then I just was like, I this speaks to the people who I know are from Kenlock and they've seen it. They're like, that's that's what that is. Like that's exactly what that is. Wow. Yeah, I'm like like I'm striking <laughs> like chills because it's like everything just like a puzzle is coming together like mm-hmm. just listening to your story like mm-hmm. your husband you found the photo your husband did the uh cover art and then it's just like like you were supposed to meet him just so he can do your cover art type <laughs> <deal>. <laughs> like, i'll take that you know i'll take that like this y'all other baby this, it is it is uh it's it's I it and it gives me chills too because I don't I do not believe in coincidences. I think everything is intentional. I think everything is purposeful. I think every experience that we have is a part of a, a greater piece of something that we may or may not experience in the future. But I I I think for me the biggest thing with that I pull out from my story is like I don't have any formal training in none of this. I didn't go to film school. You know what I'm saying? Nobody is giving me no marvel studios money to produce this work like i'm losing money creating stuff like this and so everything that's gotten me to this point that you know from the outside looking in doesn't necessarily make any sense or when i feel like you know i'm questioning what i'm doing you know i'm i'm sacrificing time away from my kid 
I'm sacrificing time away from my spouse. Like he he was the creator before I was. So for him to take a backseat to stuff that I'm doing, yeah, you know, I'm I'm newly married, and so trying to navigate that as well. And then with as much notoriety as this project has gotten, like the times that I've doubted, you know, am I doing the right thing? And God just come in the in the clutch, like you know feel how you feel right now but trust and believe like i will sustain you and it it is going to work out and that's exactly what he's done over these past three and a half years of like a lot of it doesn't make sense it doesn't make like my dad says all the time like alana you ain't never laid your head nowhere near no six three one four zero and i was like i (laughs) i know i just i don't know what it is like the people who i've met that are from there that knew my grandparents like I become like an honorary granddaughter like I love you know speaking with them I became a part of the Kenlock Historical Association we brought back the Kenlock Forever Festival in 2018 you know we had a banquet we had a picnic in the park like they haven't been in that park in years but I I love being around old folks like I'm really about 60 years old in my spirit I I love (laughs) being around them I really do I miss them like we were planning to have another one in June and we Uh had to cancel you know because of COVID but I'm I miss them like I'm I miss my my Ken Lockians is what I call them but I do so so I seen her at the freak frankly in a Frankie and Beverly concert (laughs) that's when I knew she was a real one I be be jamming like that is I'm old as hell (laughs) unashamed Mm-hmm. Got so, like, I want to talk mm-hmm. about that though. Um, you are a mother, you are a wife, um, and that's a good segue, you know, to the series is support black women. Like, we were so many hats, and then I know this is it's a small world. You and Lola was doing the uh, support groups mm-hmm. for anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. How, you got a lot on your plate. Mm-hmm. And, um, how you how you holding holding this up? You together? know, I I'll say, you know, prayer, some unicorn blood, you know. Chicken <laughs> 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 foot. I just Juju. <laughs> real talk. I allow myself to feel in the moment. Um anxiety became something a part of like very tangible a part of my life. <laughs> on my wedding night it's funny now it wasn't funny then but I (laughs) my ass I had a damn edible on my (laughs) wedding night and that book sent me to the ER and I literally and what my doctor says now is like Alana I feel like you've always struggled with anxiety but what I think the edible did is it just triggered something that you know exacerbates moments where you just feel really overwhelmed and so I was like, it, it wasn't funny then. Mm. It's hella fun. Like I was in Debo's chicken coop, like tweaking the hell out. I wish I had a picture to show y'all. Holy shit! <laughs> what? But, but the grace of God. But no, seriously, with with anxiety, like when I get overwhelmed, and my anxiety manifests in a way that because I'm I'm such a go getter, um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very you know spearheaded on the things that I'm passionate about, the things that I'm convicted about whether it be advocating for single fathers or helping teen moms or, you know, my first ministry is my home. Um, so taking care of my daughter, learning how to be a wife while still, you know, being passionate in my work. 
and understanding that everything like balance does not mean 50 50 balance can mean 90 10 it just got to equal up to 100 so some of the weeks you know I like when I was engaged and getting ready to get married like I paused the Kim I got I was like no I want to I want to to go into this right like my my main focus right now is my husband like I've never done this before I don't know what I'm supposed to do but I know that where my attention needs to be right now is joining this union with my spouse and migrating this blended family like you know my daughter has to adjust to this new normal too so I paused on the documentary and then when I got my footing back I was like okay we gonna we gonna get this back together but just giving myself grace to be like I I'm not feeling it right now I'm very vocal with my daughter like she'll come up and be like mom you okay I'm like mom just need a moment right now like mama not feeling good right now mama pissed off right now but putting myself in a place to where my daughter feels comfortable expressing how she feels in the moment as well um and being okay with mm-hmm. asking for help like I I was the queen of like don't even worry about it I got it yeah don't worry about it I got not even was the queen I still mm-hmm. do that I still do that with my husband I understand like dude you my whole spouse like you supposed to help me it's, it's okay for me to ask you for help and I have to remind myself of that like I'm not equipped to do all of this on my own so are you a virgo I, my daughter is i'm a cancer i'm a cancer okay i'm a moody <laughs> cancer water sign <laughs> um but like i i mean kind of just listening to you um being a cancer being a water sign and then knowing what your purpose is on a planet you feel kind of entitled yeah to like get this done like in this lifetime right mm-hmm. and for you to just have the courage to step back from that and be like, I want to enjoy this with him. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was, just, that was very gracious. That was, that was very gracious. And it, it probably gave y'all more years to your marriage and everything. I like pray that. so. Cause this ain't for the, for the faint at heart. I know that. <laughs> I know that much. Oh my Lord. But he, he's, he's very supportive. Um, the the Kenlock doc would not be where it is without Devin. Um, he's he he comes from a photography, videography, graphic, you know, background, and so to be with somebody who is not only my my partner in life on a personal level, professionally, like he gets it, creatively he gets it. He's able to to prune stuff out of me that I I didn't think of because I'm I'm still new to this. Um, yeah. So it gets on my nerves sometimes because I'm like, damn, can I like, is there something that you don't know? Can we figure this out together? And then there's other stuff where I'm like, I'm glad <laughs> you were here to to help me through this because it can get very overwhelming sometimes. So it he truly is a partner throughout this journey. And I feel compelled uh, to tell you, I don't know if you believe in this, but I do. Like in the power of like your ancestors, mm-hmm. um, and like. When you are doing, when you when you are carrying out your family legacy, your ancestors will kind of like uh, push you along the way and give you that extra strength. Because when I moved back from St. Louis, I wrote like two books in two years. Oh wow! And um, I never did that before. But I and, and right now it's hella hard for me to write my third book and my other script. I write films too. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, it's because I'm not connected with my ancestors and they were giving me the strength it was it was more spiritual mm-hmm. they were like 
feeding me. Mm-hmm. And so the days that I was tired, I just wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning and I'll pump out like three chapters. Wow. I can't do that for shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I agree. I my grandmother's photo uh is on my keyboard. Um she before she passed away. Uh, and this was during the time that my, my dad was get on my nerves. I would go to my grandma's house and tell on my dad whenever he would get on my nerves. And my grandma, you know, she she was like, Alana, you know you're the rock of this family. I'm like 24 at the time. No, I'm 23. She she died when I was 24. I was 23 at the time. And I'm like, Grandma, I don't know if you're talking about... She was like, you're the rock of this family. And I'm like, I that feels very heavy. Um, but now that I'm approaching 30 and to see that the, the stuff that I've been able to do with this project and this is another opportunity for me to connect my family uh, together, especially with the amount of loss that we had. Like we get together for funerals, but this gives us a reason to get together for a celebratory occasion. Um, so to see my the screening that I had in February for the rough cut and to see the Flowers family all together um it felt really good it felt really it was on my dad's birthday it was it was perfect it was perfect like I wouldn't take everything was perfect it was just perfect and so allowing those moments for us to like fellowship and heal um from family trauma and to open things up that people wanted to let lay dormant for some years but it's like no I want to I want to understand this I want to understand family trauma so I can keep it you know from getting to my daughter um well, I want to expose it to to deal with it and that's what this film has allowed me to do as well do you think um do you think every black person should like trace their roots and like figure out where they come from or like wholeheartedly know, their DNA and stuff like that mm-hmm. I, I do too um I remember we did that before because we like my family we are like one like it's so many memories with us like doing things and so we always talked about where we come from and you know where our great-grandparents come from and you know we we would do like like our whole background check and uh, figure out where we come from like where we descended from and you just find out a lot about that. And I think that helps it helps it helps you like figure mm-hmm. out who you are a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, because you can kind of relate to things and you can see, okay, I see why mm-hmm. I'm that way, or I see where I get that from, or you know, things like that. Or I see why I like this more than this, or and stuff like this. So I kinda think every black person should kind of, you know, get their history of their family and I didn't even know that I was like part Creole like I didn't know a lot of things uh, I didn't know I had little friends in me it was just a lot of stuff that I found out about myself it, it makes you feel a little bit more complete like um, yeah yeah. because I remember sitting down with my great great parents and just talking to them about stuff and I was like I was like 9, 10 all the way up. I think my well, my great grandmother oh, died wow. my senior year, so we kind of like so we we talked to her about a lot of stuff before you know she passed away. So we kind of know so much about our family. I do feel complete, 
Like it's like like when people talk about Kim, like it's like nothing they can tell me that same. You know, think mm-hmm. otherwise because I know so I... much. So, wholeheartedly agree partially because of our our lineage and where it starts like we were stripped from our land so we come here and we're just scattered right and so I feel like a lot of us are going through life right. with this this void and not really knowing why we feel empty in certain parts of us because it's it's, it's a lack of understanding and awareness mm-hmm. of where we come from not even just necessarily Africa but all just to Kenlock alone, it's a lot of people within our age frame who know nothing about it. And I guarantee you, everybody in St. Louis either had a family member that grew up there or know somebody who grew up there. Like the, the blood runs deep within that city. Um, but even all the way down to Covington, Tennessee, like I've mm-hmm. never been there. I don't know if I have family members or, you know, distant cousins that still live there. One of my goals this summer was to actually travel down to Covington to to see if I have any remaining relatives down there. But I mm-hmm. feel like we can only go as far as our understanding of our past. Um, and like you said, you know, that's why mm-hmm. I act the way that I act. You know, the older that my father gets and, you know, my grandfather died when I was nine. But from what my grandmother told me, I'm like, dang, my daddy do act like my granddaddy. Or dang, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm acting like my daddy right now. But it makes <laughs> me feel more complete because I know you know I'm aware of the blood that is running through my veins like I'm not crazy it comes from somewhere right 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 man that's that was a beautiful dialogue man Mm. (laughs) (laughs) no because it's um because it's you know it's saying Kofa uh the African term of like in order to move forward you must fetch backwards Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what Mm -hmm. your story is about like you're fetching far so bad Mm -hmm. and it takes you so far and um and kind of what I mean Kanye Kendrick Lamar like everything I'm not maybe everything I am so this is a very uh inspirational story Alana thank you I mean you're really this is a call to action it is it's like yo it is yeah, yeah. It's like, yo, like, where, where you from? Like, say it with your chest. <laughs> like, say it with your... Real, real talk. Like, we go, you know, going to these little, you know, part basement parties when we was in high school. You got the little little, little Johnny Eastside boys playing. You know, where you from? Rep your set. That's cool, right? But like, no, dude. Like, literally, where are you from? Where is your kinfolk from? Like, what did y'all do? Like, type. That's that's what I want to know. Like, your awareness of your kinfolk right like, i i find great admiration for people or just learning about our ancestors like i want to do a whole series on like the great migration and do you even know how your family got up north like i think about my privilege as is stress thinking about packing up a u-haul and moving across state lines but you got whole black families that had to leave everything that they owned mm-hmm. in the middle of the night to save their own life and start a life somewhere that they've right. never been in no money like keeping their head on the swivel at every corner because they are trying to survive like I could, I mm-hmm. cannot fathom that I cannot fathom that yeah. and so for me it is, it is paying homage to them for putting me in a position to where I can pick somewhere and call somewhere home by choice you know, I don't have to run anywhere. I'm not running away from anything. Nobody's chasing after me. I can go 
put my finger on a map and say I want to live there because it is my choice yeah yeah I definitely um you know just having like my sons I told you we was watching it together they had a lot of questions I I definitely see this like in curriculums yeah that's my Um, goal that's one of my goals yeah yeah like I'm listening to you I'm like I definitely in St. Louis um because like a part of this is the miseducation mm-hmm. um because if if you had if we knew where we came from and we had pride and we had dignity um our values a change um our interactions a change and then you know we'll start like treating each other different like you you family mm-hmm. like you you realize family um so <laughs> i mean i'm just telling you i I know a bunch of educators. I'm gonna probably shoot them an email um, because I know you got the campaign going. And let's talk about that. Yes, the campaign. Uh... Let's talk about that. <laughs> so the documentary is currently in post production, and so in in film language for people who don't know what post production is, basically all of the footage is shot. We are in a phase where we're just trying to piece it together via editing motion graphics the scoring which is the music um trying to get it into a place where i can actually screen it you know whenever we're allowed to go back outside so i started a kickstarter fundraising campaign last friday um to raise 20 20 grand to finish the film and it's only been a week and today we raised 10k we raised 50 percent of our goal as of this afternoon and i'm like man y'all I like I was so nerved I went back and forth so many times like Alana does it like niggas is dying right now people is losing their job right now and here come you with the audacity to ask people for some money for a film and I I went back and forth in my mind like but this Alana this is your job like you quit your job to do this full time and now you ain't got no job either like so you were one of these people too also like everybody ain't financially struggling like people are at home you know working from home and still saving money so don't group everybody into one lump sum thing and that everybody just out here struggling that's not the case like don't deny people the opportunity to support you and to bless you because there are people out here who rock with what you're doing and want to support you and i've just been overwhelmed by you know like 10k in seven days like what 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 but granted niggas niggas is rocking with you oh my god like i i ain't cried yet i'm gonna save my cry for when we you know make the final goal but i i'm extremely grateful and i'm i'm glad that i told myself yes fear and anxiety about you know what this could look like to to people like am i being selfish am i being tone deaf all of that but just like no fuck it just press start and see where it goes like the worst somebody can tell you is no um and we 10k so we got another 10k to raise i ain't trying to stop where i am you know i'm still trying to get some more but it's very promising and i'm like if i can do this in seven days like i'm i'm on the right path again purpose purpose yeah yeah uh, I'm definitely, uh, this is a call to ask our, our audience members. I am going to donate um, because I love film. I love art. I'm an author. I do all those things. And I really feel like this is a movie um, that needs to be in every household. Definitely if you're a St. Louis native. So I'm personally going to donate. Um, 
how do we how do you tell, I know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a long link but if you just go to kickstarter.com <laughs> and you search the kenlock doc i should come up i should be the only one that comes up um and then it gives you the donate button or contribute button and so you can there's different incentives that you can contribute towards so i have like a archival image photo pack of some archival images from Ken Locke. You could purchase or you could contribute towards um, the St. Louis screening of the film. You can contribute towards a private dinner with me and the other producer, or you can just contribute and not want to get anything in return. You just support it and you, you know, you want to see it complete. So there's a couple of different options um, that people can donate towards, but kickstarter.com search the Ken Locke doc and you should find the project there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we are um, on the cups. We're going to wrap it up. But before we wrap it up, this is a powerful conversation. I want you to give a shout out. I feel like this is an NPR, like small desk. Your team, because <laughs> I know. It ain't just me. It ain't just me. Um, so Corey Cozart, <laughs> he is a producer. He's been helping me. Um, he's new to the team. We met like a year ago. Um, he was working on a Ken, he's from Kenlock as well, but he was working on a Kenlock and brought him a part of the team. And it's been like family ever since. Andy, um, Doughty, I feel so bad. I hope that's how you pronounce his last name, but he's my campaign manager. He's the one that's putting structure to this whole thing and went and did research on how much it costs to ship items, all the stuff that I want to have to deal with. Like he did the background work for it. my right. mentor Dan Paris he's the founder of Continuity which is a nonprofit whose sole mission is to expand diversity within media production so shout out to Continuity I was a student in their program now I'm an assistant instructor in their program um, mm. so it, Quinsanta that's my DP um, who else Brittany Butler um, I guess I do got some mentors right so Brittany Butler is another black female filmmaker from St. Louis. She went to Normandy. She currently lives in LA. She works for Issa Ray Productions. Um, she is, yeah, the brainchild behind the Kickstarter promo video. She came home over a weekend, was like, Alana, I want to shoot you in Kenlock. And I was like, bet. And we just did it in one day. And you have what it is now. But we're a very small team. Very small team and everybody's local. Like I wanted to keep it as St. Louis as possible. So everybody local. Dope, dope. Um, okay. I'm, I'm gonna have to follow all those people, man, because y'all, y'all got something special going on. Uh, Zoe, before we close, hold on, wait, it is one question I did want to mm-hmm. ask you, and I wanted to know if you can have like any artist on this soundtrack because you know, who would you have on this soundtrack? A high, like, how, where do you want it to go, Sonic? Soundtrack. So, honest. So, even right now, even in the rough cut, the the intro song that that introduces the whole film is "People Make the World Go Round" by the Stylistics, and <laughs> that's a part of my campaign to like raise money so I can license the song so I can actually keep the song. Like, I don't want I don't want nobody else to produce it. I don't want a new rendition. Like, I want them. I want. It reminds me like a. A, a grind, not a grindy, but like an old 80s sitcom intro 
you know, to the episode type thing where mm-hmm. I'm just going through Kinlock and I'm showing clips of how it looks now, how it used to look, and it has exactly. Like, I want, I want that. Woo! I want that sound. I want it to bring my father back to a place when he was in his teens, and he's walking up 8449 Scudder and Jackson. And he's connecting with his kinfolk, and they walk into Kinlock High School. All, I want that. I wanted to take people back to some of their best memories coming up not just out of Kenlock but out of the, the Kenlock that they are from because there's a Kenlock everywhere I want to take people back to that place damn I was not expecting you to say this oh, yeah. that's a that's a groove and um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely like one of those songs that's historical that's gonna like automatically take people in that time frame mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, good good choice. Uh thank you again, Alana. This was a great conversation, a great discussion. I cannot wait to like just I mean, and now I'm I'm like on board. So, you know, I'm gonna be telling as many people as I know, my circle about how they can support you and tell us what's next. Like, you know, is it are is this gonna be a Sundance? I would. I see. I would. I mean, how how it's been going? You know, I just need to speak it into existence and you know let it manifest. But I would love to do a national festival run. Um, you know, contingent upon COVID and you know updates for larger, you know, gatherings. But I want to do an educational series. I would love to go to different college towns that are housed in historic Black communities to talk about their (laughs) cities that they may not even know that they're in. Um, I would love to do that. I want to do a festival run. I want distribution. I want people to stream it on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu. And this is going to be the first of a series of highlighting historic Black communities. I want to go to Rosewood, Florida. I want to go to to Central Park in New York to talk about Seneca Village. I want to tap into these other disappearing Black communities and just do a whole series of them. Oh, crazy. Okay. Oh man! Uh, thank you again. Uh, can you tell everybody where they can follow? Yes, my IG is at I am Alana Marie. Um, that's the same as my Facebook. My personal site is www.imarie.com. Also follow the Kenlock Doc. It's like that on Instagram, Facebook, the Kenlock Doc. And the personal website, uh, the Kenlock doc, doc.com. All right, and that is going to do it. Y'all support black women. This is one of the probably most historical documentaries. I'm like lit right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna drink something after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> niggas is stealing COVID. We are, we are <laughs> the facts are facts, facts are facts. <laughs> you feel me? Um, but we gonna we gonna have a, a, a follow up Q and A after this, and so this is not the end of this uh, segment with Alana. Y'all be sure to uh, share the episode and find your purpose. Find your purpose. Peace, love, and light. We out. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. All right, peace. Yay. <laughs>